We may all take our seats. Bless the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. Let me take this time to acknowledge the worship team. I think even as they are approaching their seats, we can just give them a hand of applause. Bless the name of the Lord. They are doing such a wonderful job. In fact, those who don't know, worship is a ministry. Hence, some of us will receive our healing through the ministry of worship. Some of us will receive our deliverances through the ministry of worship. So worship is such a very powerful ministry. In fact, we are approaching moments whereby sometimes we'll even gather and just worship God and bid each other farewell and go back, you know, to our respective homes and places. Bless the name of the Lord. Because worship can do such a wonderful thing in our spirits. Amen. I also want to acknowledge the leadership of the church for affording me an opportunity to come and teach, share something that is very close to my heart. You know, there are some things that are very difficult to share, especially when you share it at a moment whereby the very same thing that you're sharing about is so prevalent that it's not actually happening both in the church and in the world. Bless the name of the Lord. I'll be talking about the oneness, the power of oneness or the power of unity. My device decided to act up on me this morning, so I will be relying so much on the screen. Uh, I sent the message last night, but I realized that my phone is not responding. It opted to froze up on me, so I think I'm good. I'll proceed and uh, share what the Lord has laid in my heart. You might be seeing a picture there, but the very funny part about this picture is you don't seem, seem to see the faces of these people. But what matters for me from this particular picture is these people are looking towards a common position. Or they are looking towards the same position. That tells me that there's an element of unity in the four people that are standing right there on the picture that you are looking at. Bless the name of the Lord. You know, while I was preparing for this particular message, I was reminded of the elections that will be going through sometime next year. We are just waiting for the president to pronounce on the date whereby you will be exercising your democratic right. So when you're talking about oneness or unity, you realize that this is one concept that is applicable both in the church as well as in the entire world. If there's any objective or if there's any agenda or any purpose that is to be achieved, whether in government, whether in the church, in the private sector, in the public sector. That cannot be achieved without the spirit of oneness or unity prevailing within the members or the employees of the institution. Bless the name of the Lord. So unity applies to both in the house of the Lord as well as you know, the world in its entirety. We can move forward with the slides. I said to myself that, you know, maybe as a way of introducing myself, let me try and explain or maybe make reference or define what do we mean by unity or oneness. And I looked at the Bible, you know, the Bible defines unity very clearly, but I thought, because, you know, we're dealing with so many graduates, let's go back to the dictionary so that we can be able to see exactly how the dictionary you know, defines According to the Oxford Learner's Dictionary, we, I mean, uh, unity is defined as a state of being in agreement and working together, the state of being joined together to form one unit. It's a state of oneness and harmony 
In fact, biblical all believers in Christ were united through what Jesus Christ did on the cross of Calvary. Therefore, oneness has been displayed to us through the birth of Christ, the raising of Christ, his crucifixion, as well as his resurrection. And when you and I, the Lord decides you know, to, to, to call us back home, we are going to be reunited once again with our Lord Jesus Christ. So you'll understand that the concept of unity is right here on earth, and it's also happening again when we join our Lord Jesus Christ in heaven. Praise the name of the Lord. So unity is applicable to the church. Amen. I think we can proceed. Why is unity or oneness so important? As I was preparing, I realized that because I was looking at both the church as well as the secular world, and I realized that there is nothing that cannot be achieved in the absence of oneness. There is nothing that can be obtained in the absence of oneness. Therefore, it's needed in the church, in our families. I mean, in order to have a happy family, you must have a unity within the family. There must be oneness in that particular family. Organizations, associations, and institutions, they need this concept of spirit of unity as well. Bless the name of the Lord. Like I said earlier, it's needed in government if anything is to be accomplished. And you realize that as, we, as, as, as we're talking tonight, I mean, I mean this morning, the world is so divided in so many things. We're seeing things differently. And if we're to come together and see things in a similar way, a lot can be achieved. Bless the name of the Lord. One of the most important things that is required to achieve whatever we want to achieve is to have this spirit of unity prevailing within us. You might be wondering that which scripture is he referring to? He's talking about unity. Why is it so important? Our main scripture are reading basically is from the book of Ephesians, chapter 4, from verse 1 to 16. Because it's quite a very lengthy verse, I think the congregants can go and read that particular scripture at home. But what I want to highlight as part of my introduction is uh, to indicate or to reveal to us as the body of Christ that unity is so critical and important. Before Jesus Christ was crucified, he prayed for unity in, in the book of John. 1711, where the Bible says, he prayed and said, Holy Father, protect them by the power of your name, the name you gave me, so that they may be one as we are one. This was just moments or weeks before Jesus Christ had to be crucified. By the way, he knew exactly who was to betray, you know, who was going to betray him among the 12 disciples. And someone that I normally listen to said, when you get closer to your dream, it's advisable to narrow your cycles. Because you need to understand that among the, the, the disciples, or among the friends that you hang around with, you need to discern whose disciple is John and whose disciple is Judas. Because one within the company that you keep will either, will either you know, enhance you or encourage you to achieve what God wants you to achieve or there will be a source of disturbance in achieving exactly what you want to achieve. So discernment as the body of Christ is very critical, even in the element of the concept or the spirit of oneness or unity. Bless the name of the Lord. You hear a lot about harmony. 
that you know we need we ought to be in harmony with God. But in fact, it was supposed to be the other way around. Before we can try and attempt to be in harmony with God, we ought to be in harmony with each other as human beings. All races ought to be in harmony with each other. Bless the name of the Lord. I picked up two expressions there. You see, there's a, there's a saying that goes like blood is thicker, you know, I mean blood is thicker than water. This is an expression of oneness or unity. Two siblings that differ in opinions on how they see things, they can even physically fight each other, but in no time you'll see them hugging one another, you'll see them cheering each other up, you'll see them encouraging one another. Why? Because that's how unity is being explained or expressed in their lives as siblings. Bless the name of the Lord. There's a political party in the country that is having a saying that says, Together we can do more. And I'm saying to myself, if political organizations can come to a situation whereby they understand the importance of oneness, how much more the church? Whoever came up with that concept, I applaud him because it's biblical. If you want to achieve what you want to achieve in your life, you ought to be there for each other. In other words, there ought to be some kind of oneness or unity between the members that are aiming to achieve one particular objective. Like I said, our main scriptural reading, Church of God, will be from the book of Ephesians. Let me just read a few verses. Chapter 4 from verse 1. I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you are called. This is Paul writing to the, to the church in Ephesians, our Ephesians. With all the loneliness and gentleness, with long-suffering, bearing with one another in love, enduring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace, there is one body and one Spirit. Just as you are, there is one body and one Spirit. And one spirit. Just as you were called in one, in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism. I want the church to pick that thing up. One Lord, one faith, one baptism. Verse 6. One God and a Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. One Lord, one faith, one baptism. One God, one Father. Bless the name of the Lord. There is no other God. There's only one God that deserves to be worshipped. There's only one God that deserves to be praised. Hence, the Bible says there is only one Lord, one Father of all. Bless the name of the Lord. This is the Father who created you and I out of love. Amen. Verse 9. Now this, he ascended. What does it mean? But that he also first descended into the lower parts of the earth. He who descended is also the one who ascended for above all the heavens, that he might feed all things. Verse 11. And he himself gave some to be apostles, prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers. For the equipping of the saints, for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Till we all come to the unity. That's verse 13. Till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to a perfect man. To the measure of the stage of the fullness of Christ. 14. 
that we should no longer be children tossed to and from and carried about with every wheel of doctrine by the trickery of men in the causing, in the killing craftiness of deceitful plotting. Bless the name of the Lord. I call this particular chapter the theological backbone of unity. This is where Paul explains exactly how unity is achieved. How can it be achieved if it's not yet in existence in the body of Christ? How this unity can ensure that the church achieves whatever the church is meant to achieve? As I was saying there, that why is unity so important? Why is this concept or the spirit of oneness so critical in ensuring that the body of Christ operates the way God seems? Peace. Bless the name of the Lord. Like I said, unity, church of God, is quite important because Jesus Christ on his way up a few weeks before he was crucified, he also prayed for the very same spirit of oneness. He also prayed for the very same spirit of unity to say that may the Lord my Father keep my brothers and sisters in the world that they may remain one as we are one. Bless the name of the Lord. I was indicating to you earlier that we only have one Lord, one Jesus Christ, that is the one who died. Hence us, while, you know, before we were saved, before we accepted the precious Lord Jesus Christ as our personal Lord and Savior into our lives, we were called Gentiles or heathens. But now, because God extended his love to us as humanity, you and I are now called the righteous ones. You and now are now unified in the body of Christ through the blood that has been shed on the cross of Calvary. I'm talking about the ultimate price that Jesus Christ paid. In fact, if I were to summarize my teaching this morning or my sharing this morning, I would simply say that the reason why Jesus Christ had to be, had to be crucified, it was obvious to, you know, to extend the gift of life to humanity. But the critical reason there, it was to reunite you and I back to God. And you'll see that the word unite, it's bittering in that particular life. So Jesus Christ died to plant the oneness or the spirit of oneness or unity back into the house of the Lord. Bless the name of the Lord. You and now are now reunited back with the Father because of what Jesus Christ did. Hence, I'm talking about the power of oneness this morning. This is the very same power that pushed Jesus Christ to be crucified on the cross of Calvary. I was driving one time and I saw a post that got my attention and it raised that it was not the nails that held Jesus Christ on the cross, but it was the love. And while I was preparing last night, I came to realize that yes, it was love that held him on the cross. But what was behind the love, it was because... Jesus Christ wanted to reunite us back to the Father. So it was the spirit of unity that was behind the love that maintained Christ to hang on the cross. Bless the name of the Lord. That is the power, church of God, of oneness or unity. We read there that there's one God, 
and there's one Father of all. And while I was reading that particular verse, I was reminded of the Ten Commandments. It is no coincidence that, you know, the book of Exodus, commandment number one, talks about worshipping other gods. You will realize how jealous God is. Out of Ten Commandments, commandment number one, it talks about you and I not being allowed to worship other gods because there is only one God because there is only one father of all bless the name of the Lord and I was asking myself why if you look at the Ten Commandments the way they are lined up it's very logical and there's an element of jealousy in the, you know in the Ten Commandments the way they are lined up God is a you know he's a jealous God hence he can't share his glory or his splendor with just anybody else he can only be the only God who can be worshipped. No one, the commandment number one, it talks about him being worshipped and not other gods. Because even as we read in the book of Philippians 4, there's only one God and there's only one Father of all. Bless the name of the Lord. Unity Church of God is a common topic, like I said in the Bible. It's a common topic where peacefulness or peace is being promoted so that we can be able to live in a unified you know, environment or in harmony with each other as human beings, all races. We are called this morning, Church of God, to be in unity with three things. One is to be in unity within our own selves. That is the first, the first Peter 3, verse 8. We are also called to be in unity with each other as believers or followers of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Those who have come to accept Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. The church is being encouraged or called to be in unity with each other. That is in the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 1 verse 10. And my last one there will be the maintenance of this unity of the Holy Spirit within the body of Christ. You will understand that the power of oneness or the power of unity is being manifested in three levels. It must be revealed or manifested within us as, in, as individuals in the body of Christ. It must be manifested between each one of us as members in the body. It must also be manifested through the maintenance of the same unity through the Holy Spirit in the body of Christ. Bless the name of the Lord. There's a particular verse that I'm going to share. Uh, I think I quoted it in the last uh, slides. It's in the book of Psalms 133, where David wrote and said, How beautiful it is, how pleasant it is for brothers and sisters to dwell together in unity. It's a and we stop fighting each other, we stop talking behind each other, and we stop backstepping each other, and we stop blackmailing each other, but we learn to be there. For each other as daughters and sons of the Most High God, we learn to be each other. We learn to be there for one another as sisters and brothers in the body of Christ. Bless the name of the Lord. I was talking to somebody during the course of the week, and this person indicated to me, or he said to me, we're just talking in passing. And I, you know, I, I was telling him that, you know, we are nearing the moments where people will be traveling on the roads and will be celebrating Christmas and uh, Obviously, you know, this person had his own way of celebrating Christmas, which is basically, you know, they have to involve alcohol. And I challenged him and I said to him that, 
if I were to take away alcohol from your side, will you still celebrate Christmas? And his question was, I think Christmas will not be worth celebrating in the absence of alcohol. I gave him time, but you know, explain yourself. What do you mean by that? I don't know where you see. For me, I take pleasure in taking alcohol. It makes my life easy. Uh, you know, I forget my problems. But can, you, can you repeat yourself? I forget my problems. But so, so it means that when you're sober, your problems remain there. Uh, yeah, but okay. I thought that, you know, maybe when you take alcohol, your problem disappears. And then I will decide to take one as well because we all have challenges in life. And he laughed at that particular statement. We are approaching, even when we drive, you can even feel that the Christmas spirit is upon us. But the interesting part is people tend to forget whose birthday are we celebrating. I see people buying cakes, and I see people buying new clothes, I see people buying this and that, as if, you know, it, you know the very same people will be celebrating their birthdays. But we don't seem to be doing much for the birthday boy, in this case, is Jesus Christ of Nazareth. And all Jesus Christ is requesting us to do is to be reunited back to him by us repenting and accepting him as our personal Lord and Savior. Bless the name of the Lord. So it's not your birthday. You don't, you know, please don't get excited. It's not your birthday. This is our Father. This is our Lord Jesus Christ's birthday. And all he's asking for this morning from you is to exercise the spirit of oneness, starting with the body of Christ. Bless the name of the Lord. Like I said, it's, it's so difficult to talk about the spirit of oneness because even the church is so divided. If you are not an assembly uh, member, fellowshipping, in a, you know, maybe chasing in a particular you know, denomination, you are not a full type of a Christian. There's something missing in you. If you are churching in full gospel, you are not churching in apostolic faith, there's something wrong with you. The element of division is so rife in the body of Christ that we have even started talking as if in heaven there's going to be members for full gospel church that will occupy a particular portion of heaven. Members of the Swiss mission will go to heaven, but they will occupy a particular section of heaven. I wish God can open up our eyes to realize that all God is asking for church of God is for you to display the oneness that is one and only son Jesus Christ died for. And we stop this infighting as the body of Christ. We stop the blackmailing as the body of Christ. You know, one day God will surprise you. I'm reading a book. by a lady who was taken up to heaven and to hell. And she was obviously given an instruction by the Lord Jesus Christ to put these things in writing. And even as I read, I did not pick up a portion of heaven where there are particular members of a particular denomination. But I've only picked up a portion of heaven where those who are redeemed and reunited with the Lord through the shedding of the blood of Jesus Christ are in heaven. No denominations. No denominations. Because the license to go to heaven is non-denominational, but it's relational. Let me say that again. The license to access heaven is non-denominational, but it's relational. 
relational meaning that you value what Jesus Christ did on the cross of Calvary. You accept Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. Then your relationship for life is established. So it's about relationships. Bless the name of the Lord. And the very same relationship that you will establish after accepting Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior resembles oneness or unity. In other words, you are reunited back with the Father. Bless the name of the Lord. We can proceed with the slice. I quoted, I think, this particular verse whereby God demands or expects us to be in unity with each other, be joined together in perfect peace, walk together with one harmonious purpose. This is Paul or Peter writing to the church to say, this is what God expects us as the body of Christ. We be joined together in perfect peace and we learn to walk together. Two people cannot walk together if they are not in agreement. Let me say that again. Two people cannot walk together if they are not in agreement. So you'll understand that our day-to-day lifestyle somehow resembles some kind of unit that we have as human beings. If you see, if you see or watch two people walking together, at the back of your mind, all you must assume or think or believe is there's some element of unity between the two people because if they did not agree to work together, they will work together. Bless the name of the Lord. We need to be united as the body of Christ. We need to get to a point whereby we understand and realize that relationships that have been established in our lives through the shedding of the blood of Jesus Christ was simply shared for us so that we can be reunited back with the Lord. Philippians 2, 2 and 3, it says, live in unity with one another. Church of God, we can have plans, we can have desires, we can have year plans and quarterly plans and monthly plans and weekly plans and daily plans. But if we are not one, those plans will not be achieved at the end of the day. The only way to achieve whatever plan, whatever purpose, agenda, or dream that you have, you must be in, in harmony with your own self. You must be in harmony with your own self. You must be in peace with the rest of the people around you. You must be in harmony with each and everyone in the body of Christ. Bless the name of the Lord. I want to conclude this morning by indicating to the church that, as I said earlier, that unity is a biblical principle that has been well explained and outlined in the scriptures. In government, you need an element of unity if service delivery was to be realized by the recipients of such services. In the private sector, in the church, in the body of Christ in general, you would ought to have this unity. If the ultimate purpose, which is to love each other and to show each other love, is to be realized in the body of Christ, nothing can be achieved. Nothing can be successful. There is no success that can be achieved or attained 
in the absence of unity. But if we work together towards a common goal, if we work together towards a common achievement that is not to be realized in the name of unity or in the spirit of oneness, there is nothing that the church cannot do. If we're all reunited back to the Father and we learn to live with one another in peace, bless the name of the Lord. The verse I quoted earlier that I said I will conclude by and through, you have, you can see it on the slides, it's in the book of Psalms 133. And I'm going to read this verse even as I conclude. Bless the name of the Lord. Are we learning something this morning? Are we ready to reunite this morning? To support each other this morning? As sons and daughters of the Most High God. Brothers and sisters in the body of Christ. Stopping to backstab each other. But we'll be there for each other. We become each other. Support system. Bless the name of the Lord. Someone will call it becoming my brother's keeper. That is the expression of me. Bless the name of the Lord. My last verse, as you can see in our slides, is in the book of Psalms 133. This is a song that David wrote. And if you read the book of Psalms, you realize that David wrote this particular book, but there were moments that David was going through. While David was going through a particular situation, he write a song that will talk to the situation that he was currently experiencing. And those collection of songs now became what you call the book of Psalms. Bless the name of the Lord. The Bible reads this morning, this was David writing, Behold, how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. It is like the precious oil upon the head, running down on the beard, the beard of Aaron, running down on the edge of his garment. It is the law. It is like the, it, it, it is like the dew of Hermon, descending upon the mountains of Zion. For there the Lord commanded the blessing life forevermore. Bless the name of the Lord. I want to conclude this morning by indicating to the church that where there is unity, God will command a blessing in your life. Where there is unity, God has no choice but to command a blessing or to release a blessing. So you realize how powerful it is or how critical, how important it is for the body of Christ to live in harmony and in unity. Because this is one way to provoke God to release his blessings upon his own children. Bless the name of the Lord. I trust that we learn something this morning. Let us prepare to go home this morning. Asking ourselves these various questions about the oneness in the body of Christ. About the oneness amongst us as brothers and sisters and daughters and sons of the Most High God in the body of Christ. In the church of our Father. Bless the name of the Lord. We'll be asking ourselves those questions. Are we united? Do you look at your brother or your sister in the body of Christ as one of your own? It's like the body. The body consists of various parts. But for the body to fully function, it needs 100% cooperation from each and every individual part in the body. 
if my eyes were not responding well this morning, I'll be, you know, I'll, I'll be finding it very difficult to even ascend the stage. If my legs were not responding well, refusing to carry my body, my weight this morning, I would have found it very difficult to even drive from the house to the house of God this morning. So the body is a clear and a classic example of oneness. Bless the name of the Lord. You've got various parts in the body that are unified. They support each other. Hence, if your head aches, the whole body will feel that the head is aching. And the other part of the body will support the head by not cooperating that well until the head is healed. So, we have clear examples of how oneness can be resembled, how oneness can be practiced, how oneness can be manifested in the body of Christ. Bless the name of the Lord. We can all stand, even as I'm going to say a short prayer this morning, in the area of oneness. While the worship team will be coming to the front, as I'll be praying shortly, or as we'll be praying shortly as the body of Christ and the church, just for us to go and pray, maybe we'll ask, you know, the Lord to grant us the grace to reunite with each other, to grant us the grace to exercise this spirit of oneness. Bless the name of the Lord. As it appears in our song, we'll go and praise the body of Christ for oneness this morning.